0: This is Closer to the Fire, from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, with a focus on the persecuted church around the world, I'm Greg Musselman. The Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, describes the war in Syria as a humanitarian nightmare for the long-suffering Syrian people and must stop. What started out as the Arab Spring, we all remember that, the pro-democracy demonstrations that erupted all over the Middle East back in 2011 will soon turned into a war as the Syrian government had enough of the demonstrators who were demanding the resignation of President Bashar al-Assad and then a civil war erupted. Innocent Syrians were caught in the crossfire. Canada and the United States blamed Syria for the atrocities while the Syrian government gained support from Russia and Iran. Chemical weapons were used on the population, as evidence would prove, and war crimes were committed. The true number of those lost will never be known, but we do know that hundreds of thousands of Syrians have died since 2011. The UN estimates that about 6 million Syrians have left to neighboring countries, and some have come abroad, including Canada. 7 million people are internally displaced. The situation in Syria persists to be unstable, and so is the reality for those who are Christians in that country as they face attacks from militant groups like ISIS and the ongoing humanitarian crisis in the country because of the war and sanctions. Joining me to talk about what life is like for the followers of Jesus in Syria and the Middle East is Fayez Youssef, who ministers to Christians in the region. Fayez, thank you for joining me on Closer to the Fire from Cairo, Egypt.
1: Thank you, Greg. It's my pleasure.
0: Now, before we talk about the situation for Christians uh, in Syria, what are things like in that country? I mean, this war, which in some ways has been kind of forgotten because of all the other things happening in our world, so what's the situation like there?
1: It's the, the people in Syria is greatly suffering from the results of this very long, exhausting uh, battles and uh, and uh, civil war that happened in yeah. Syria. Uh, situation now, as battles is settled down, it's not uh, like before. So there's no fights. Uh, it's uh, very contained, and the problems are mainly in, in in known places in Syria, especially in the north and the northeast of Syria, where the Kurds are. There's some tensions. ISIS is trying to come back again, but the battles that Syria have seen in the middle, in the cities, and from home to home, from street to street. Uh, it is over, but the results of it, it's still uh, very, 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 very hurting and very difficult. Just to know that uh, 12 million of Syria, this is half of the population that was yeah. forced to live out of their homes. Uh, 12 million, I mean, and 6 million are internally displaced inside Syria. And uh, and there is another six million that are refugees in other places, like in uh, in Lebanon, in Turkey, in Jordan, in Europe, in Egypt. Uh, so, and this is one side. The other side is the uh, the post-trauma uh, suffering that people are going through because of what they have seen. This generation have seen right. eleven years of fights and death around them and living under a lot of threats so you're talking about a, lo- a lot of a lot of trauma traumatized uh, generation the other thing is the the other uh, painful thing is the children in syria uh, many many children i mean 12 million of refugees and forced to live out of their homes they are not in regular schools so you are they are growing some of them they lost their parents Uh, So they are growing as orphans and uh, they didn't go to the schools. Um, So that's another thing. The most difficult and acute part is the economic situation. When you know that the Syrian lira, uh, one dollar uh, equaled 50 lira, now the one dollar equaled 6,500 liras. It means the person whose income was $500 it's about $10, $15 now, oh. that is the income. Uh, so the the prices are crazy. Um, uh, there is no free, uh, the gas or gasoline for uh, heating. Um, electricity comes at home maybe two, three hours a day, maximum, uh, so uh, so the life is so difficult in Syria. It is not that, so the war is over. Yeah, good news, and everybody forgot about it, but what people are suffering is is a great thing
0: yeah and it's it's traumatic as you mentioned there's so many other things that are going to you know going on i mean yeah things may have settled down just a little bit but you know the economy has been destroyed uh people are traumatized many families have been separated because they've left the country to neighboring countries like jordan and lebanon where i've met some uh, syrians and of course here in canada as well um so i mean it, it is it's a tragic situation now And before we talk about, you know, Christianity in Syria, which, of course, has long, long history, um, tell me about the organization that you're working with, as much as you can share, uh, because I know there's some, you know, we have to be careful with what we say and that, but um, you're trying to help uh, Syrians. Tell me about some of the work you're doing there, Fayez.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's the natural uh, role of a church uh, is that to be light in the places of This darkness and uh, and to as as and Jesus said they would see your your good deeds and glorify your uh, heavenly Father. Uh, So I think the 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 very natural and spontaneous thing to happen from from, uh, God's people, uh, the Church, in any place is just to show God's love and God's mercy towards the people and share the good news. And this is what the Church in the whole. Uh, Middle East is trying to do, the church in Syria is doing a great job. I mean, during the crisis, uh, the Christians in Syria has done a great job in reaching out to the poor and to the needy, um, being very active in the community, opening uh, clinics uh, for the needs, uh, advocating for the the people who go through a lot of crisis. So this is what a church would do, is to whatever This is the, I would say, the simple understanding of mission is uh, the blessings for Abraham. I'll bless you and I'll bless you. I'll make you a blessing and many nations will be blessed in you. And this is the church. The church is blessed with so many things. And being blessed doesn't mean I keep it to myself. I just need to share it with others. And this is what we are trying to do all the time here in Egypt and in the Middle East.
0: Yeah, and I, and I've seen it firsthand. Not in Syria, we were close to the border in Jordan, but we've seen how the churches, uh, you know, were so helpful. Uh, in fact, we did a, a Christmas blessing there to the Syrian Christians a few years ago, and 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 the Muslim people as well, because we want to show, you know, that love, uh, you know, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but but our Muslim friends and and those that uh, that were in trauma, and we also see many coming to Christ as a result of. The kindness. So what does it look like right now, Fayez, for Christians in Syria? Of course, we know there's a guy named Saul who became Paul on the road to Damascus. Uh, Syria has rich Christian history, you know, going back 2000 years. Uh, And we know that the Christian uh, population has, you know, been decimated, uh, you know, through the war and then people leaving the country. But what, what is life like right now for Christians in Syria?
1: Uh, Christians in Syria—they—they've uh, been there, uh, like like you said, from the first century, and this church survived until now. And uh, you know, in the Middle East, some places church has disappeared completely, like the all the Arab Peninsula and all the Gulf states. Uh, but in in Syria, in Egypt, in Jordan, in Lebanon, Iraq, Christianity stayed. So there is a very good church that stayed and survived. It's a survival church. <clears throat> uh, mainly the traditional church, of course, but also there is uh, quite a good number of evangelical churches in Syria. Uh, they are suffering with the same suffering of all the the Syrian peoples uh, there, um, but uh, but they are not uh, only uh, suffering, but they are serving also in this in the same time. One really? of the great things. Uh, you know, this paradox of the crisis and the blessings in the same time. Yeah. Uh, when you see the crisis is happening, but there is another side of it with a great blessing. When this crisis happened, you couldn't really feel the difference between Christians and Muslims in Syria. So Muslims would come to the church and attend the churches and, and receive gifts, and the children would come and sing in the church. And, and, and amazingly, this happened in, in, because of the pressure. Where people are pressured, they are Uh, sharing the fear together, they come and there is this kind of solidarity they try to do. And this has opened a great door for many people to hear the good news. Um, And even in this difficult time, to hear the good news and to to meet with the true light in their lives. And this was one thing that has amazed me in Syria, to see the church growing and opening the doors for everybody from all backgrounds to come and attend.
0: Well that's uh, the beautiful thing about the church it uh, you know Christianity is often at its best when there are crises uh and yeah we don't have an agenda to you know try to get people to you know become christians of course we want people to accept jesus we believe that's how you get to heaven but it's to show the kindness. And historically we see that's the, the church is at its best. We're not fighting about doctrinal things. We're, we're, we're reaching out. So what has, and again, we're we're talking suffering, and that's more general. Uh, you know, Christians are, you know, can be targeted because they're Christians from groups that are militant Islamists like ISIS. Um, are are we seeing much of that happening or or how much can you talk about that?
1: No, it happened. This happened very aggressively when ISIS was there. there uh, if you remember what they did in the Mosul, Nineveh, yeah. historical exactly. Nineveh. And, uh, and in other places, I mean, this is, was maybe the most famous part, but the, this happened in Syria in so many villages and cities in the north where ISIS was was having the Islamic State. Uh, same thing in Iraq uh, when uh, a lot of Christians had to flee and and if you remember this uh, uh, Arabic letter, the end, or what we call it, the noon, there was they would draw it on the homes. Uh, this is belongs to Christians. It yeah, means I'm, it can be confiscated, uh, and uh, and the, and people escaping from this place. This happens with the uh, because of the militant group and the ISIS and the ter- terrorists. But in 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 the other part of lives We live together. I mean, here in Egypt, I'm a a Christian, I have my Muslim neighbors and Christian neighbors, and I live there, people, we greet one another. It's the normal life. It is when tensions are there between if there is uh, some anger uh, coming in the way because of uh, burning uh, uh, a Quran somewhere, uh, and then people get angry. This heats things. But if you come back to the normal situations, especially in the big cities and the large cities, things are okay. Yeah, there are some differences, some struggles, but this is life. The problem is with the militant groups that come, and this is the real threat. Uh, You have half of the Christian population of Iraq has left Iraq because they didn't feel secure at all. Uh, So... This is one of the sad things that the the Middle East is emptied from the historical Christian existence that was there for two thousand years. So we are that it used to be twenty percent and twenty five percent of the populations are Christians now. In some places, like in the West Bank or in Iraq, or you're talking about between one to three uh, percent only. So that's another. Yeah, the, the ISIS is uh, controlled now, but they are trying to come back again by the way they've been active, so active the last uh, two, two, three months. So Christians say, and why I stay here, I will go to another place to to be safe with my family.
0: And hey, we can't blame them for doing that. I mean part of the work of the Voice of the Martyrs is strengthening the church, uh, you know, in various countries. And that's, uh, you know, that's what we want to do. And, uh, you know, again, I'm involved in, you know, church sponsorship and connecting churches in Canada uh, to even uh, people from Syria, church that I was attending a number of years ago, we brought a Syrian family in and it was beautiful how it all worked out. And, now their kids are here and they're being raised here and they have no intention of going back to syria i mean in aleppo where they came from there's there's like very little left there and i understand yeah. that um but of course there's those that want to stay or go back but again we're there's no judgment on somebody that leaves the country and just wants to have safety but how does that affect the church i mean you've talked about iraq and uh, you know i've had opportunity to be there met christians there and we've seen uh you know an exodus of believers there been in the west bank and bethlehem where jesus was born uh very few christians remain and those that are there many want to leave the economy is so bad um and it obviously it, it affects the church uh in many ways so when you look at what's going on in syria uh where so many of the christians have left how's that affected the church Fayez in syria
1: it, it it affected in a great way for example a lot of the young people especially the yeah. the men the male had to leave because either they will go to the army or they will uh, go to the battle so many of them escaped from the country so you have a whole gap of a generation of in the christians uh, because of the absence of them they they left or they were in the army or they died so this has affected very much the future that's why one of again you are saying there is a challenge people are leaving but there is still a church there and we need to keep thinking about the church and how to support the church to stay and to survive and not only to survive but to be a lighthouse in the same in this time in in, in the middle of these struggles so, for example, one of the programs that the, Christ, that the Syrian church is doing in an amazing way is a lot of discipleship and leadership, uh, basic leadership training for the younger generation to prepare them to be part of the, uh, the real uh, part of the, the, the ministry in the church, just to, uh, to, uh, to uh, bridge the gap that happened with the, with the, with the generations. So, uh, so the church is there, is surviving, is is is, uh, is witnessing for God. Yeah, people are leaving; it's so sad. Uh, and as, as as you said, we can't blame them. But the church is in Aleppo. There is a, huge, a beautiful church in, hmm. in, in, in Christian existence in the mosques. Uh, they they are there is in, in in Latakia and all of these places. Christianity is there, and that is the I would say the real the right way. To think about it, how can we stand with the church there? We can stand with them because this is a time of harvest. This is a, a, a Greg, I'm not exaggerating. It is the time of the best and the largest harvest we have seen uh, in the Middle East in hundreds of years.
0: Well, that's what uh, gives us hope. I mean, we know from the, from the Bible, Jesus said, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And uh, when I'm speaking in churches or written about this, it's not that we're just trying to hold on until Jesus returns. It's actually happening because the church is moving forward. And we know uh, when we move forward with the gospel, there's going to be pushback. There's going to be opposition, and uh, and we have to remember that. And you know, and to hear the stories of places like Aleppo, and of course Damascus, and other places where there is a beautiful church, and and they want to see you know people come to know Jesus. It's you know, it's a beautiful thing. But on the other hand. Uh, when and again, so many Muslims have had dreams and visions, and, and I've met many of them and, and they really suffer because they've made a decision to follow Jesus and, uh, they're bold in their faith, many of them, and they're doing, you know, amazing work. So we're encouraged by that. But, you, you know, you talk, you know, the suffering and the blessing kind of they go, you know, Work together. But when you look yeah. around Syria, then are you optimistic? Uh, I mean, again, there's been so much destruction, so many people have suffered, and so much loss of life. But, you know, when you travel in, you talk to the people there, is there an optimism even in the midst of all that they've been through?
1: Only the only hope is the people who know God and know Christ. Other right. people, it is a very desperate situation. And you can feel it how heavy it is. It's uh, people are worried. The, the future is not is not. Uh, there is no trust in what is coming in the future. The only hope is when you meet the God of hope. Uh, so the church has a great hope. The church believes that this is a time of like uh, like in the church in the in the book of Acts when they were scattered they shared about the gospel. I mean when. Um, the the waves of the real evangelists that happened in the book of Acts happened very much with the scattering of the believers from the persecution. So there is always the church. When the church is ready, this is where where it's hope. But if you want to to be honest with you, the situation, people are worried. They are scared. They are uh, uh, depressed. They are traumatized. They are worried. The only hope is when you meet with Christ.
0: Right. And I think that hope is no matter where we are in the world, even here in Canada, there's been a lot of fear, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic, Uh, you know, people's security has all of a sudden been shaken. And we know that God then, you know, in those situations really shows up as people, you know, are hungry. Now, in your country of Egypt, uh, we've seen some good news. The Egyptian government uh, formed a committee back in September 2016 uh, to work through, I think there were like 3,700 applications uh, to legalize unlicensed church buildings. Uh, now, the process has been slow, uh, but you know there has been a movement forward. So uh, a recent batch of approvals were um, made public announcing uh, the licensing of 125 churches and other buildings affiliated with ministry. I mean, Fayez, is this uh, something that you're encouraged by, that this is a positive step?
1: Uh, so we, we haven't seen this uh, before. This is uh, unprecedented in, in our modern history, to have this number uh, of, uh, of uh, legalized and uh, licensed Christ- uh, churches and church buildings and conference centers. We haven't seen this, and this was a, a main source of, of, of tension in the society, because Egypt has about fifteen to twenty percent of Christian uh, population, you're talking about fifteen million. Uh, when you can't build your own church and you have to wait for ten and fifteen and twenty years to get a license to build one building, this is was so frustrating and it caused a lot of problems. In and then the so we we considered this a, an amazing and a great blessing to have this. Uh, move from the government to license all these names well slow a little bit yeah but in in i think i'm not sure of the numbers now but more than the licensed and agreed on more than 1200 Mm. uh, building until now so this is amazing and this is good and it's it's sending a very positive message yeah of course we hope it will be faster we hope it will not uh, it will not be uh, uh, it will not be closed again or anything but it, the message in it that the the egyptian government is saying we want to to give you your rights we know this is your right you didn't have it before and this is time to to have it so we in in egypt we haven't seen anything in all my life i'm over 60 now it never happened in all my life to see this number of licensed churches. Actually, all the news was no license uh, the church can be closed, and that's another. This is a new day, Greg.
0: Why is that happening? Is it just goodwill from the Egyptian government, or has it been pressure from outside the country? I mean, uh, I mean, uh, we're just grateful it's happening. But uh, what do you think the motive behind it is? And the other hand is there's gonna be those that are not gonna be happy with that as well. Uh, so, but, but why do you think this is happening? I think it's realizing, uh, it, you know, everything
1: stand and fall on leadership. So the leadership of the country have seen that this is the right thing to be done. Uh, to uh, It's not pressures. I mean, pressures has been always there with no result, Greg. Uh, pressures can bring the opposite reaction sometimes. Uh, so I don't think this was coming because of the pressure, this is coming from a very uh, deep conviction that this is the right thing to do Uh, it was a decision by the government, it was of course a a request from the churches and the leadership of the churches in Egypt for many 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 years and then finally it was heard so I don't think it's the pressure it is the conviction that this should be the right thing to be done, I hope it would be even easier like you want to build a mosque and you can build a church it's the same uh, thing but i i think we are in a in in the in positive uh change now
0: well wow, we and we celebrate those positive things uh yeah of course there's still challenges for christians and as much as you can share um what are some of the things that we you know in canada and you know people listening to this podcast. How can we best pray for our brothers and sisters in Egypt at this time? I think the
1: best thing, Greg, is to, to think in that, uh, as I shared before, that this is a great time of harvest. So suffering is there. Of course, it's there. Uh, suffering as as part of the nations of the Middle East who are suffering. Think about the millions of Yemenis who are displaced and, and, and refugees. Think about the Yazidis in Iraq, uh, the Kurds in Syria, uh, uh, the Syrian refugees, the suffering is great. That is right. The, the, the right. the thing that we need to think about, that this is time of, of, of a great harvest. And we think from this positive way, that how to stand with the church in the Middle East to, to fulfill the calling of God for the Great Commission and to see that that the people of Egypt and the Middle East they know the Lord uh, in Egypt we have been encouraged so many years now praying year after the other after the other uh, praying the promises of God for Egypt spe- especially Isaiah 19 is one of okay. the most uh, uh, loved and favorite uh, parts in the bible of course uh, some places Egypt has been mentioned a lot yeah um, I know as the bad guys many times, but there are also other good, very good promises in the Bible, like calling when I, I, I will call my son out of Egypt and Jesus came here to and blessed our land and stayed here. But in Isaiah 19, the promise of God when he says I will make myself known to the Egyptians and the Egyptians will know the Lord and will worship the Lord. And there will be an altar in the middle of the land of Egypt. And I'll Bless the Egyptian people saying, bless Egypt, my people, and Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. And I'll make a highway between. I mean, when you see the promises of God and what are the desires, the deep desires of God towards the people of the Middle East, Christians and Muslims, is to make himself known. Uh, And this is the prayer. This is the prayer that we are praying. This is what we need, the church in the West, to join us in praying for Egypt and for the Middle East and praying for the suffering people uh, from the Kurds, the, the Yazidis, the Yemenis, the Syrians, the Iraqis, the Egyptians, all of them, the Libyans. There is a lot of suffering, but we believe that in the middle of this, God will show himself in a great way.
0: Yeah, and he is showing himself in a great way. We you know, look at countries like Iran or Elam in the Bible, God Promising in Jeremiah to set up his throne there, and you say, "How is that going to happen?" When you see all the turmoil that's you know going on, and maybe you think that's beginning of the end for uh, the the regime in Iran. We don't know, uh, but we do see these things happening. Uh, is there something to the fact that you know countries like Egypt, as you mentioned in the Bible, Syria, um, you know Iraq? I mean, all these places that have such you know, incredible history. We think of North Africa, where so many of the church fathers came. That God is working in 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 a way that we haven't seen for thousands of years. Because I mean, these are the the bedrock of Christianity in so many of these places. And there's revival stirring, and the you know the dreams and visions that say Muslims are having and coming to know Jesus. Uh, is this the you know? I mean, because you talk a lot about harvest, and I just love that. Because we're seeing in the midst of all that's going on that God is working. Is is, am I being too simplistic by saying that? That, you know, the places where you know Christianity has its roots, where it's been maybe lost or diminished, it's now starting to stir again?
1: Yeah, I think this is what we have seen. And this is, I would say there is a, a great. Uh, desire in the in the heart of the church to see this revival, and I've 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 seen this happening in all, all the countries that we visit here, that people are praying. So prayer has been big part of what is happening. When you think about all the miracles and all the harvest, there is one thing is is the prayer. When God says, if my people will humble themselves and repent and come back to me, I will bless their land. So this is what we believe in. And that's why we believe that the most important thing is the prayer. A lot of the visions and dreams and these amazing things happening all over the way from Morocco to to, to till Iran, I mean, from the East to the West. Many people say this is because of the prayer movement that happened for the 1040 window, for the 100 gateway cities, uh, for the 82,000 and beyond, all these movements that focused on these places. And there has been a great uh, prayer uh, waves that is happening all around the world i remember one of the of the uh, uh, prayer uh, coordinators of our area were telling me that there are a lot, about 2 million names signed to pray for cairo as a gateway city so wow. no surprise that okay we are expecting the rain when you when all these people praying we expect it. so that is the main thing is is first to look at the middle east with the perspective of God, yeah. uh, that uh, that this is the place where God really loves the people. He has a lot of promises for the Iranians, for the Egyptians, for the Syrians. Yeah, you look to them from the political uh, point of view or perspective, but no, look to, to, them, uh, for, uh, to them from God's eyes and God's desire that he wants to come and visit these places, and that's the first thing. The second thing is to believe God can raise an amazing, uh, uh, church in these places, uh, like he promised in Ezekiel when he met with Ezekiel in the dry, uh, with the valley full of dry bones, and he changed the dry bones into yeah. a great army for him. When I look, I see the dry bones, but I believe God can do this. So the second thing is to believe God can do these things. And the third thing is to be proactive in helping the church and standing with them in a very practical way.
0: And that's something I know that's a deep in our heart of the Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors and other ministries that work with, uh, you know, persecuted Christians or suffering Christians is to strengthen, you know, what is in those countries and then, and to, you know, yourself and other ministries that are going in and just showing the love of Jesus in such a practical way. Fias, before we leave, uh, we've talked about prayer. Uh, can you just lead us into prayer uh, for Syria, for Egypt, for the Middle East? um in just you know to even to give us some ideas of how we can pray as we come before our father and uh those listening to join in with us to be praying for what god is doing in that part of the world
1: i'd love to do that thank you yes lord we thank you because of uh your heart towards your people in the middle east thank you for your promises for iran and for egypt and for syria the promises that the people who live in darkness and in the shadow of death will see a great light. Thank mm-hmm. you. Because you are the one who said, let it be light. And then there, there will be light immediately. But also you said to the church, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of this world. Lord, I pray that this uh, Middle East will see your light through your presence, through your miracles, but also through the church that you send there as a witness for you and to tell how great you are, to tell the people about the great salvation that you have. Thank you, Lord, for your promises in the Bible, in Isaiah 19 for Egypt, that you will make yourself known to the Egyptians and the Egyptians will know you and will worship you and will great glorify your name and speak your language, Lord. We pray that uh, you will build this highway, the spiritual highway between Egypt, Syria, and Israel, that you will bless these people, as you said, blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. Lord, we believe you can come and, and just uh, speak over the dry bones and the dry bones will just come each one to the other and will become a great army for you lord we pray that this time will be a great time of harvest and we will see your name glorified in all of these places in the name of jesus
0: amen amen well thank you for that prayer and uh and you know it gives me some ideas to further know how to pray for that amazing part of the world i've had opportunity to be in egypt and the middle east and uh, the people there are wonderful christian muslim and uh, and people that maybe don't have faith at all they're just so warm and they are so loving and uh, and i and i i know somebody i I mean i love the bible love prophecy and you know sometimes you read these things and go is there really going to be this highway you know that uh, that, you know we talk about And, and, and ezekiel and the dry bones and all those things and but God is working and I, we mm-hmm. can get distracted uh, at times when we just focus on the political and all the things going on, but God is moving by his Holy spirit. And uh, I think these, I, and I've heard this said by is that these, this is probably the most exciting time to be alive and maybe the most dangerous time to be alive, but with the Lord uh, we continue yeah. to advance his kingdom. And so it's a beautiful thing. So Fayez as you said, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Um, helping us to understand from the larger perspective and also from right in the churches of what God is doing. So thank you for your work and God bless you. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate you. And, uh, And for those listening and watching, if I could ask you to do something for me, can you rate or leave a comment on this podcast so others can learn about it? we want to encourage people to be praying for the persecuted church supporting the persecuted church and and getting resources into countries so that our brothers and sisters can show the love of jesus that baez has been talking about in countries like syria uh like iraq iran and all these places so if you could do that i'd so appreciate it and remember the closer you are to jesus the closer you are to the fire